0: Hey
1: camp kids, welcome back to the camp kids podcast. I'm your host, Joe Bob, and I'm on a mission to bring together a community of camp people from all around the world. Whether you are currently in your camp experience or it's been a while since you've been at camp, when you're with us, you're at home. In this week's episode, we meet Kelly, one of the hosts of the Scamp Life, the other side podcast. Kelly is the camp director at pine ridge day camp kelly has a plethora of camp experience in the girl scouts ymca and other non-for-profit organizations in both day and resident camping kelly dives into current issues camps are facing and how camp directors and other staff members can begin to tackle them such as dei and phones kelly invites you to listen to her podcast and follow her on her instagram to get to know her more so without further ado let's meet kelly Welcome to the Camp Kids Podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Why don't you tell us who you are and where you're speaking to us from today?
0: Yeah, uh, so my name is Kelly Cook. I am the camp director of Pine Ridge Day Camp in northern Alabama. I feel like I'm the anomaly sometimes being (laughs) from a camp in Alabama. There's not many of us down here uh, in the South.
1: So I take it that you are not from Alabama. Would you like to talk? to us a little bit about your past camp history?
0: Yeah, so I am born and raised in New York. Uh, Grew up going to Frost Valley, uh, YMCA, just as a camper. I mean, it was nothing, you know, big reputation and everything, but it was never about that. I didn't even know I wanted to be in camping uh, at the time. So, I mean, I grew up, my parents sent me there, worked there as, you know, a counselor um, through college. Uh, I went to college, my undergrad is, is in theater is in backstage theater. So I'm not a onstage theater person by any means. Majored in carpentry and scenic painting. Uh, But after college, I just started working seasonally at different camps. I've worked at another Y camp in Michigan, camp for for special needs down in Texas for a season. And then finally in, in 2015, I got brought on full time at a camp in Idaho. So packed up everything and moved there. And I was there for few years before moving down to Alabama uh, with also a stint in humane education for a little bit through an animal shelter out there in Idaho. So I've kind of done a lot. I've done it all. I have my master's in camp administration as well. So I live and breathe camp as many of us do. Wow,
1: that's so fantastic. And yeah, it sounds like you've kind of been all over the place and working with (laughs) different organizations and different facilities as well. I think I saw in the information that you gave me that you even had a stint with the Girl Scouts for a little bit.
0: A long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. So the Girl Scouts was my first ever like official day camp job. I was 15 when I was brought on and they put me with the eighth graders. I think they were eighth graders. Yeah, they were eighth graders. So I was just at that like two year ACA cutoff mark uh, between myself and the campers. But it was I mean, it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. I was also playing sports heavily at the time. So it was camp was kind of the only job I could do. So, but yeah, no, I also grew up being a Girl Scout as well. So that was part of how I got into to being a day camp counselor. But yeah, I uh, worked for a, for a day camp for Girl Scouts as the first ever official, like, camp job I've ever had.
1: Wow. That's so cool. Well, I don't know if you know this about me, but most of my background in camping is through the Girl Scouts. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that's <laughs> so cool. I love that. So then I have to ask, because I'm curious, you said you grew up going to Girl Scout camp, but you've also worked at a bunch of YMCA camps. Did you attend kind of both as you were growing up, or did you more come into the YMCA as an adult?
0: No, I, so I did both. So how I got into the Y as a camper is, so I, I grew up going to Girl Scout camp, right? Like that's how that's how I started. My parents put me in Girl Scout day camp. I attended Girl Scout Overnight Camp um, at Rock Hill, which is the one that's up in the you know New York area. And they ended up canceling the horse program that I really wanted to attend one summer. And so a friend of mine found out of this other horse program at Frost Valley. And that's what actually got me there. So that's how we started and then I just I fell in love with that camp I didn't do the horse program the entire time and then I just started going to their general camp and became a counselor and so that's how I really got into the why
1: tell us a little bit about your current camp that you're working for now what are what's the organization through what are some of the programs that you offer what's the setup like
0: So it is actually a really awesome setup. Uh, So we are on 120 acres. We are a day camp only. There is no seat. Well, the only seasonal housing I have is for international staff, but we have no camper housing at all. We don't have any intent to turn it into an overnight camp. Uh, So we're really unique for our area in that we are, we run like an, an overnight camp. So we have, you know, all of the the activities that, you know, your traditional overnight camp has. So we have a rock wall and zip line and hiking trails, you know, and horses and a lake. And so we have all those things and we operate because my background's a lot in overnight camping. So, you know, we run very similarly to an overnight camp, but the kids go home at the end of the day and it's lovely and I love it. And I thought I would never do anything other than overnight camping. And here I am running a day camp and I love it. Uh, but yeah, so we do horses, we do a whole bunch of other stuff. We our our campers are typically functioning. Uh, however, the camp was purchased by a nonprofit in the area who primarily works with everybody with, with disability. So they have group homes. They work with, um, you know, early learning and, and pre- pretty much birth through end of life, um, for people with special needs in the North Alabama area. They purchased the camp back in 2015 to allow their clientele to have a camp experience. Uh, so they get to come out and do different things. Uh, we do a trunk or treat for them every October. We have horseback riding lessons for them out here. And then they come out to like, so that after summer was over, so they don't come out, the clientele don't come out for, for during summer camp because we're running, you know, camp. But uh, once we're done with camp, so like in August, so we only run June and July during the summer, but in August... The clients can come out and they get to swim in the pool. So like they still get to use the, the camp property when summer is not in session, but camp pays the bills. So therefore, you know, we run summer camp. So it's a really, really cool organization, uh, super supportive camp. And it's nice because I kind of enjoy working for an organization as opposed to being an independent camp. I've worked for independent camps before, but you definitely have a lot of support when you work for an organization uh, just with HR and, and, you know, different things of that sort. So, and and accounting is huge too. So it's just a really awesome opportunity. I oversee all the operations. So I oversee the barn. I oversee our kitchen. I oversee, you know, the day to day. Uh, so I am boots on the ground overseeing camp. Um, and then I have, you know, my, my organization is support behind me and all the other stuff, but yeah, it's, I, I really like the setup. I get to have a lot of freedom to, Run camp how I you know see fit and for the needs of both staff and campers, um, and I have a really awesome supportive leadership senior leadership team uh, behind me as well. Wow,
1: that does sound incredible. Your setup is pretty much unlike anything have <laughs> on the podcast so far. So for all my listeners who are listening, they're like, "Oh my gosh, that's brilliant!" Like, <laughs> and if I understood you correctly, it's like summer camp pays for these clients. Yes. To be able to use this property. Like, that's brilliant. That is yes. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> oh,
0: it's it's so it's great. really great because, you know, in the off season, well, yes, I'm, you know, preparing for camp and getting everything ready, just as, the, you know, the cyclical-ness of being a camp director is. But then my days do also get broken up here and there with just these fun events to plan. Like, trunk-or-treat planning is so much fun because it's not like everyone from camp has to come up with something. No, like the business office comes in and they do a trunk and the CEO does a trunk and, you know, some of the, the different departments that work with these clients all, all create a trunk. So we actually end up with, you know, 10 to 15 trunks for, you know, 40 to hundred clients to come through and just, you know, they get all dressed up. We usually have face painting and painted pumpkins. And it's just so much fun. Chunk or treat's one of my favorite things to do with them because it gets all the clients out here and it's such a simple and easy thing to do.
1: Oh yeah. That sounds amazing. Uh, I know some organizations can't affiliate with holidays, but those that can, I mean, it sounds like even for an organization that's not quite set up like yours, it's still a really great opportunity to bring in people and, you know, have a good community outreach. So. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. We bring in, we bring in definitely, we bring in some of the different community partners that, you know, the, both the nonprofit and camp have together to come out and do trunk or treat too. So it's a, it's a really fun event.
1: That's so cool. I love that. Well, speaking of organizational differences, I would love to hear Your experience on the differences between organizations, specifically the YMCA and the organizations that you work for now at Pine Ridge?
0: Yeah, so I will say that I have been drilled into my brain how YMCA marketing works because I have a lot of freedom in my marketing, which is a blessing and a curse. Uh, I get to be as creative as I want, but at the same time I got so used to YMCA marketing where, you know, you only have a certain set of colors and a certain font and you could do certain things and have certain images and then coming to an organization where, I mean, I can just go on Canva and create to my heart's desire. Uh, it took, it took a little bit of getting used to, I have to say, uh, because, you know, I can do whatever and it's like, oh, okay. So I don't have to just stick to one kind of branded thing. Uh, but that took some time to get used to. So I do kind of miss the the Y branding. Uh, and I think the hardest thing for me to have gotten used to coming from a Y and then to a non-Y organization is camp rules. Because when you work for the Y, and I can probably guarantee you any listeners who work for the Y can attest, you always have the core values to fall back on as your rules. Always. You have four core values. Some camps and wise add extra um, core values that meet you know their mission and everything. But uh, coming to a camp and having to come up with you know an easy way for for campers to understand the rules. And we start at age four, so you know having little kids understand your rules and not. So I've had to come up with random values that that do meet camp, but you know, really trying to figure out what they, they mean to camp and and how we can use them as rules, because I got so used to using the rules as the four core values of the why. So caring, honesty, you know, respect and responsibility, great, great rules to use for camp and can't, can't fall back on them now. (laughs) I
1: totally understand that for the Girl Scout organization. For me, it's like, if there is no law, what am I drawing from? So or there is no Girl Scout promise, what am I drawing from? So I totally no. understand that.
0: Yeah, the Girl Scout promise and the law, I mean, again, is another great set of rules to be able to fall back on for Girl Scout. I mean, I grew up a Girl Scout. So like that was that was the rules back then. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you have a lot more freedom though. So
0: I, I definitely it. do. I mean, to an extent, it's nice that I have a lot of years of camp experience to fall back on. I think if I had come into this role, you know, as a new director, it would have been a lot harder, taking a lot longer to earn that freedom. But having my background has really helped in being able to come up with, you know, a purpose and relate it to the mission and, and just kind of go about it in that aspect. And so that we're always, you know, sticking with the mission or the purpose of camp and, and that's really kind of helped guide how we do things.
1: Yeah. I love that. And great framework for anybody who's listening out there that might be kind of stuck in that same predicament. That's, that's really good to know that you can kind of create your own and that's, that's kind of how you move forward. So thank you for sharing that for our listeners. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Well, I would love to hear about your transition from working from a resident camp area to a day camp area. What were some differences or some things you might have wish you would have known making that transition from resident to day
0: camp? Well, I get a lot more sleep now. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> nice. That's probably the biggest transition is I get a lot more sleep. I grew up going to resident camp. Love, love, love it. There's such a a connection and a magic of camp that is really hard to replicate in day camp, that magic, that sense of community. And, and, you know, the, I don't know, you just, I hate to call it a bubble because when you think of camp bubble, you know, it kind of sometimes gets that negative connotation, but, you know, if you think of it in a positive way where you are just surrounded by a bunch of people you got thrown together with, and now they're all of a sudden your best friends by the end of staff training, like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to replicate in day camp. I think that's the biggest part that I miss about being at a day camp is, is that time for like your group to come together and really bond. Uh, because I think that's part of the the magic of overnight camp. Now, now my transition, we'll just thank COVID for it is, is kind of how that happened. <laughs> I think, I think COVID had a big, you know, deal with a lot of things, but Basically, I, I was living in Idaho. I worked at their Y camp for a few years, ran their their Y camp out there, uh, and then switched to the animal shelter, which ran a day camp. So, I mean, I, and I got to oversee that, which was great. And that was a nice little taste uh, in that aspect, but it was a lot smaller. I went from 400 acre facility to like a 200 square foot classroom. So, I mean, that, yeah, there really wasn't much there. It was just like a totally different job. Um, but when I was ready to come back into true camping um in terms of like overnight like I wanted to go back into overnight I wanted to go back into the Y and things like that uh that's what moved me down to Alabama and actually I got to Alabama on January 1st of 2020 uh not knowing that the world was about to shut down and I lived in a new place and so thinking I'm I'm coming into this new job I'm going to be a program director we're gonna I'm gonna run overnight camp I now live at camp I thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever and then the world shut down and so we did run camp we ran day camp that year we had 15 kids uh normally we had about 75 for overnight uh we did day camp it was drop off only so they used to bust the kids in and they did drop off only and we had five staff who lived on property that summer and that was the transition Uh, It was different. It was hard for many reasons, as I mean, all of us who ran in 2020 know. And um, yeah, it was just kind of one of those things where I kind of liked the day camp vibe because, again, I got to go home. Uh, My husband liked it because I wasn't being called in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean, it was just a different experience. But also in doing that, you know, I realized that because of how small that camp was, I was brought on as the program director and there was an executive director who also lived on camp. And I realized with the the size of the camp, even at 75 kids, you really didn't need a a full-time program director. And so I basically self-eliminated, but also this job came available. And so with COVID and everything and not knowing, you know, not knowing the unknown, I jumped ship and I came over here. Fortunately, it was only about a 30 minute difference between the two camps, 30, 45 minutes. So I really didn't have to move, which was really nice. And being the fact that it's Alabama and I mean, I... I can throw a few rocks and not hit other camps unlike the Northeast. Uh, So the the fact that I was able to stay that close was really nice considering I had just moved across the country for, for the other job. Like I said, I love the sleep. It's been really nice to not be awoken by the radio at two o'clock in the morning because of bedwetting. I mean, COVID changed a lot of things for a lot of people. For me, it brought me this position. um, And I, I, actually thank COVID for something. It was, yeah, I I'm very thankful that I'm here. And, um, this has probably been one of the best fit jobs for me that I've, I've had. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to be here a little while. <laughs> That's
1: amazing. Wow. And you ran camp through COVID you ran day camp through COVID. That's incredible. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, you definitely deserve a badge of honor for that. Still being in the camp community and still being a camp administrator. That's fantastic. I, wow. That's amazing. You absolutely deserve to be
0: happy with your location. That's so <laughs> wonderful.
1: I have to ask, is your husband a camp person too?
0: So he used to be. Uh We did meet at camp. He was my trips counselor when I was a camp director. On paper, he was not my employee, but in the day-to-day he was. So he only worked that season. <laughs> yeah. So that's so helpful
1: to have a spouse that's, that understands it. Uh in fact, I'm starting to do new segments on my show that are panel related and the biggest topic that I'm looking forward to next is bringing on camp spouses Ooh, to talk oh about the God. camp spouse experience. <laughs> so if your spouse would be interested in talking about it, I would love to have him on to to talk about his perspective of being married to a camp professional. I it'd think be, she- I
0: think it'd be really cool to get perspectives of those who don't understand the camp perspective. I think that would be so cool because I mean, even if they've never been to camp to be like, "Oh, well, there they go again, back to work." Or
1: Yeah. I I have a few already in line that I know for sure are not camp people and so I'm oh, that's like awesome. really just to hear <laughs> what they've got to say. So, yeah, I would love to have your husband on to hear his perspective <laughs> as a camp person. So, yeah. Well, Anyway, my, my other big question that I wanted to ask is, first off, I don't think I know of any other day camps that have international staff. I would love to hear your process of how you got that going, or if that's been a long-term thing, how you get your international staff and what that program kind of looks like in case anybody listening is interested.
0: Yeah. So we are, we are very, very fortunate. Um, We have two houses on property. One houses our head of maintenance, which is also really nice to have. Um, so he lives on property with his family. And then we have another house that isn't, I mean, it's it's livable. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's actually fairly nice for a camp house. And I've been in a few of them, but it's a three bedroom, two bath house. It's not the most up to date, but it is functional um, and it doesn't have all the, you know, the creepiness, but it, it's, it's a decent house. And so we are lucky enough that they can live in there. Uh, it has a full kitchen. It does not have Wi-Fi, which is the only downside. We're still working on getting that there. Uh, but because of that, we are able to house the internationals because that house is definitely workable for, you know, the three months that they're here. Uh, so we're really fortunate. We, because we start so early, Our international pool mainly consists of like South America and Mexico, uh, which is absolutely fine. They have been phenomenal, but so so we don't get the same broad range that camps who get to run in, uh, I'm going to call it normal camp time. Uh, We start mid May for staff training. So, like, we're really early down here in the South and we're done by the end of July. We go through IENA. I love IENA. Um, I know they don't sponsor my podcast or probably your podcast, but they're always welcome to, (laughs) I rave about Iena all the time. They have been phenomenal to work with, um, Jeff and Matt and their team are amazing. Uh, but yeah, so we just, we use them. We can bring on at most six. That's how many beds we have and the way we set it up. So we can bring on six and they all live in that house, uh, they're provided lunch daily through through camp, um, obviously, because we cook lunch for our kids. We have a full dining hall. Uh, but then for dinner, they're usually given uh, leftovers. So we okay. send a lot of food back with them so that they can prepare their own food. Now, for us, we're fortunate enough that usually by week two or three, they've made a lot of friends. And so I don't want to call it babysitting, but by then I'm I'm usually off the hook in terms of Getting them to the grocery store, getting them to Walmart and things like that. But I do that for them uh, when they first get here. So, you know, pick them up from the airport, make sure we do stock their fridge the first couple times just to make sure they've got enough food until, you know, we're in full swing. Uh, so, camp does stock their fridge for them and they can buy whatever else they want, but we make sure they have basics. And then, yeah, I mean, we're really fortunate. I have thought to try to expand it. So, for camps who don't necessarily have that option, Uh, you can look into like platform tents or yurts if you have the space on camp and want to set it up because especially with yurts, you can, if you live in the South like us, put AC or heat in them. If not, or you can even, you know, run electricity to yurts and it's an easy way to house internationals if you need to. Uh, Other day camps I know have host families. So, Whether it be camper parents or staff families that want to host internationals for the summer, to have some place to house them for those who do day camp.
1: Wow. That's brilliant. I I love you're like, oh, yeah. And there's all these other options.
0: Yeah, there's tons of them.
1: For them. So (laughs) that's pretty incredible. I mean, I go, most of my experiences in the resident camp world, I'm just now dipping in my toe to the day camp world. And I'm like, you know, most of these people sign up to live in a tent all summer. You're, yeah. you're giving them a kitchen.
0: like <laughs> <that's amazing. laughs> An AC and yeah, the only thing we don't give them is Wi-Fi.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, most people with phones nowadays too. Yeah. It's, it and we,
0: to... we do have it on camp. It's just, it, it doesn't reach the house yet.
1: Oh, so. okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that sounds like camp luxury to me, <laughs> at least from my experience. So, well. I had heard your episodes last year talking about doing a sessional camp experience at the YMCA camp after doing a full summer of being a camp administrator. I would love for you to dive into that because that is so similar to my experience as well. If I could be a paid I call it a professional sessional. I totally would and just bounce around to camps all summer long. I would just love to hear about that experience going from being an administrator to being a sessional counselor last summer.
0: Everyone still thinks I'm crazy for doing it. I had a bunch of staffing issues with year-round staff this year, but I probably would have done it again this year if I could. But it was amazing. Like I said, everyone still thinks I'm crazy because they're like, how can you run that many weeks in admin with? you know, the way camps run nowadays, like admin's a a ball game on its own, you know, playing field. Yeah. And then I went and I worked two weeks as a camp counselor with a bunch of 10 year olds and I lived in a yurt and yeah, I loved it. It was the most relaxing and exhausting thing (laughs) in the entire world. So, I mean, part of it is I went back to my home camp. So, you know, there's that, there's that sense of going back home. Uh, you know, so I went back to Frost Valley. I told Zach, who's now the director of camping services. And I said, Hey, put me anywhere you want. I, and I told him this at tri-state because we had already, he and I had already talked about it a little bit, but I said, really like put me anywhere you want. Like it's four session. I know as a camp director that, you know, counselors fall off, things happen the last two weeks of camp are usually when you're the most short staffed. Everybody's like that, you know, staff go back to school, what have you. So I told him, I said, I'll drive a bus. If you need me to drive a, you know, a non CDL bus, I will do hospital runs. I will, whatever you need. Well, he put me in a counselor role in horse camp and anybody who knows me, well, yes, I do oversee horses here at at my camp now. I'm not a horse person. I, it's not that I don't like them. I am just, I'm I'm not a horse person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I manage my barn because I have to. And I have now said after this past year, which has been you know a revolving door of, of staffing in my barn, I have said that I never want to work at a camp with horses again. Uh, but that's okay. Aww. It's okay. I do I do enjoy it. My my staff now and. In the past have been phenomenal i have great borders the horses are super sweet it's just all that you know everything that comes with it but i got put a horse camp uh with 10 year olds lived in a yurt my co-counselor had to be let go the first day Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um so that was fun i was by myself the first day the director over in the horse camp area I felt her pain that day because here she is scrambling, trying to figure out this whole situation. And I'm like, cool. I know what I'm doing, but I have not a clue as what I'm doing because I never was in horse camp as a kid. Like not this horse camp. I did, you know, half a day horse camp, but this is like fully immersed horse camp. And then the, the barn director over there goes, do you know how to teach a lesson? And I'm like, you mean like a mounted riding lesson? (laughs) No, no, I do not. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll assist, maybe. And so here I am standing in the arena on day one of, full, first full day of camp. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to learn a lot. And um, <laughs> it was great. And then the day after that, I had to teach a ground lesson. And for those who don't know, ground lessons are basically just like classroom like lessons. They're not on a horse. They're just about horses. And so I was like, all right, I see a whole bunch of books in this classroom. Where's the CHA book? And I opened the book up and it had to be parts of a horse. And I was like, okay, and we're going to redraw this and label that. And somehow it worked out. Uh, I had about two or three co's that session just because they had to piece together, you know, co-counselors, which was fine. I it, I had no problem with it. No, I had a really great, great group of girls. And I I'm usually a teenage counselor. Like I grew up with the 14-year-olds, and here I am with 10-year-olds. Uh, and I will say that 10-year-olds uh, nowadays know a, a lot, a lot more than when I was a counselor. But I mean, it was good. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that I took, there were two big things that I took away from that, that experience. One is that I know DEI is a really big conversation right now in, in camps, um, as it should be. And I do a lot of self-education. Uh, in that space just to educate myself than in working, you know, in Alabama where, you know, we're so far behind on that. And it's interesting because what I, what I got out of it on the DEI aspect is when I was, when I was at this camp in New York, I was reading uh, Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram Kendi. And one of my, my campers just asked me about it and uh, we started this really great conversation, you know, about people of color. And it's interesting because as I, as I do a lot of the work and as I, as I talk to a lot of professionals, you know, we're talking a lot about educating our staff and, you know, giving them the education. And it's, it's coming from kids. Like, it's coming from the campers. It's not necessarily coming from The staff who are asking questions and i guess i think it's important that we educate our staff but i think we need to be educating our staff and how to have these conversations when campers bring it up uh i don't i don't think staff need to be the ones directing these conversations now new york is very different culture than alabama my parents (laughs) are not yet ready for me to introduce a lot of this into to our camp curriculum and, and I have to respect that because I have, to, those are my, those are my customers. New York is definitely ready, uh, but it's coming from the kids. It's, it's definitely being a camper led conversation and we need to, you know, educate the staff on how to have those conversations at different age levels. Uh, so that was one thing that I, a big thing that I took away. That was probably the biggest thing I took away. The second biggest, and I know I I see it all the time in the camp professionals page on Facebook is everybody asks about phones and what to do with phones and different things. And what I have found is that staff are going to figure out a way to stay connected in some capacity. I mean, I worked at a camp with no, no, no cell service and they still found out ways to get on their phone and, get in touch throughout the day. And even I was able to do it. Like, I mean, I was able to, to message my staff here at camp and, and, you know, check in with them throughout the day, not just on my period off. So I came back needing to redo our phone policy. And I think it's just going to be a part of as much as we want to take phones away from staff. I don't think we can do it anymore. I think the generation is, has technology too ingrained to do it now do i still think we need to take phones away from kids absolutely we had too many issues with that this summer uh with phones and campers and calling their parents and asking them to pick them up (laughs) and not knowing oh
1: yeah i've been there Uh uh-huh
0: this generation of staff is they're gonna they're gonna find a way to be on their phone um and it's just a matter of managing it in an appropriate manner so that they're still supervising the campers and making sure the kids stay safe But yeah, those were the two big takeaways other than the fact that I had a blast and it was the most relaxing and exhausting experience that I had. And I want to do it again. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) I love that so much. So I was a seasonal camp director as I was going through grad school and oh my gosh, there's nothing like the work of trying to be a seasonal camp administrator. I will say that one. (laughs) Yep. But at the end of that first season, I did go break away to another camp in another state and played sessional for two weeks as well. And I can just say, like, after doing a full summer of administration, having those two weeks to just go play yes! and have fun is exactly what you need. Yes, and I know that every camp professional is going to be like, absolutely not. However... Even in my thirties, I still love to go and play camp. I call it playing camp because that's all <laughs> it is, is you're playing you when you're, you know, not 19 years old in a camp bubble doing camp, thinking that every small thing is the biggest mm-hmm. deal in the world. It's, it's a different experience. It's incredible. And if we were, if we gave society or if we gave the camp community permission for old staff members or volunteers or people to come back and do these sessionals, especially at the end of the summer when you're already struggling with staff, you're already struggling with morale. It's a win-win for the camp community.
0: It was so much fun. Like, and that's the thing is like, I got to turn off my admin brain. It's funny that my co-counselor ended up being the one that I, they kind of had to shuffle around, but like, I didn't have to deal with that problem. Normally that's a me problem. And it it wasn't. I just kind of had to be there for the kids and, you know, like hang out with them and play. And it was so much fun. I hope that people who are listening to this will consider putting
1: themselves in a sessional if they're able to at some point this summer. So it's, it really is an incredible experience when you have, when you have to look when you get the chance to look at it both ways from the administration side and then back on the camp counseling side
0: well and it's nice too because you know i have been man i haven't been a camp counselor in like almost 10 years right so to be able to go back and see what this generation of counselors are doing and how it's changed by putting myself in there it was kind of like a you know undercover boss situation except i wasn't the boss (laughs)
1: Yeah, you're right. Especially with like the phone policy thing, you took away things that probably you wouldn't have been able to yep. see from another perspective. I can't remember which podcast had mentioned this, but it might have been yours or it might have been someone else. But they had said, you know, allow the kids to have their phones, allow the staff members mm-hmm. to have their phones, and then make the campers take a survey at the end of the week and say, which counselors did you see on their phones? Oh, I like, that. you know, I was like, that's brilliant. Give them the power to have their phones. And then see which kids brought them out. Then you've got a problem. Then when you start to see Mm -hmm. names, then you can pull it and be like, hey, this many campers saw you on your phone. And our policy is to not have these phones out in front of kids.
0: I thought that was brilliant. I think that is. That's a great idea.
1: I can't take credit for that idea. (laughs) That was on some podcast somewhere in the ether. But I I wanted to share that because it's like, that's probably in the direction of where we need to be headed. We need to set it straight. All right. Yes, you're allowed to have your phone on you. Obviously, if there's an emergency situation, we want you to use your phone. However, in the day-to-day camp operations, probably shouldn't be on it all the time. Yeah, it's kind of rude. I also wanted to ask for our listeners who may not be familiar with DEI. Could you explain that acronym for our (laughs) listeners who may not know? And maybe just go into (laughs) a little bit into that so our listeners can be informed of what that is.
0: Yeah, so it's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and if, you know, if you're listening to any kind of podcast, I think in the camping industry right now, someone has touched on it at some point. Uh, I believe just about every podcast out there has touched on it in some capacity, uh, whether it be racial diversity, um, gender and sexual, you know, diversity, um, even just you know, special needs and, and physical abilities. You know, it, it's all included under the, the diversity, equity, inclusion umbrella. And so just making sure that, you know, there's a lot of talk about it right now and picking out, I think it's really important too, when you decide to go down this route, whatever, you know, exploration or education you choose to do, don't get intimidated by what's out there right now. Um, especially for any young directors being like, oh my god, we we have to include everybody and and do this and do that. Take a breath. And I think I mentioned this in one of my podcasts uh, before summer because uh, our podcast goes on a hiatus during summer so that Shauna and I can, you know, focus on camp, pick where your camp is ready to dive into and go about it that way. So like here in Alabama, we're not, Heavy on the diversity. While while my staff is diverse, don't get me wrong. I do make it on my end to be a diverse staff and, and diverse campers. I don't push it in the curriculum. Uh, we just talk about diversity on a large scale umbrella as opposed to different seculars of it. Just because my staff are almost ready, they're not quite there yet. They're they're very very close. My parents are not, uh, and they're the ones who pay the bills. So we're getting there. We're just, we're just not there yet. So don't feel bad if your camp is not there yet. I still do all of the education and I love to talk about it. I think it's important, but you just need to know where your camp's at.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for going into that for us. My podcast bridges together a lot of camp professionals and non-camp professionals. So I know there's a lot of people listening that are probably like going to be (laughs) diving into this DEI work now. I and a lot more on the educational side of things, since I am a year round educator, something that I've received from my training on diversity, equity, and inclusion is this idea of a heat map. Yeah. So you're introducing things very slowly. You're also taking into play the account of the age level of the youth that you're developing mm-hmm. with. You know, some conversations aren't had at certain age levels. Sometimes, like when, when you're first starting off, you're really just worried about that, showing diversity, showing yep. inclusion before you really dive into having these conversations and everything. So I love that you said that. That's exactly where we're headed in the educational world as well. About your podcast for everyone, where can people find you? What is your podcast cover? All of that sort of good stuff.
0: I am one of the co-hosts of Scamp Life, The Other Side. But right now it's just the two podcasts. So Kurt and Chris, they do programming. So if you want to do anything programmatically wise, they do a lot of great ideas of like brainstorms and stuff. Uh, but my podcast is like the other side. So we we dive into a little bit bigger topics. We will throw out some program ideas here and there, but we are definitely not the one of just like, hey, you need ideas on what to do for a theme day. No, that's not us. We get into some pretty heavy topics. Shauna uh, is my co-host and she and I, We'll talk about various things. So we like to try and keep things current with the current events in camp, but also things that may not have been talked about. Uh, We have some really great ideas coming up for the the upcoming season. Uh, Like I said, we take a break during the summer uh, so that she and I can both focus on our own camps. And then we, we put out episodes about every other week. Uh, So we just recorded our first episode back here. And so that'll be coming out soon. Uh, But we also don't always give answers. So sometimes it's her and I just having a discussion and it's just to encourage listeners to maybe start having those discussions or thinking about those things within their camp. Uh, So we are not the one to give you all the answers all the time, but we will have the discussions and we bring on different people too who might be bigger experts than her and I. So it's a fun time. We enjoy it. We do try to have some fun on it, but sometimes the topics can get pretty heavy. It's awesome. Go check us out at Scamp Life, The Other Side.
1: Yes. And as a non-camp professional, I enjoy your podcast just as much as I'm sure other camp professionals do. I really enjoyed the one where you talked about marijuana. Um, yes. Because <laughs> nobody's really talking about nope. it. And like, it's legal in my state, but
0: it's not legal in mine. <laughs>
1: It, well, nobody's even yet to address it on the education side of things.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: yeah. So I can say from a personal testimony, even though I'm not a camp professional, I find the topics that you bring up very universal, very much needed topics that need to be talked about in the workplace in general. So you're opening up these doors, not just for the camp community, but for other communities as well. And it's, I just, I love listening to camp podcasts, even though I'm not a camp professional because <laughs> it keeps me tied into the camp community. And I always find takeaways to bring into my life or into my professional life and the occasional, you know, life of my part-time camp career. That <laughs> that well, and, so, and too, I feel like. So listeners absolutely go check out their podcast. Even if you're not a camp professional, you're absolutely going to love it. And I'm so excited to hear that you guys have already recorded your upcoming podcast. I cannot wait for that to drop. That'll be so exciting. I'll kind of move into some of my final fun campy questions here to close out our podcast. My first final question is, what is your favorite camp song?
0: That's hard. I have been so removed from camp songs. I mean, we do them here. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not usually there for them. I call it the ship song, but it's like when I was one, I did whatever over the rolling sea. I Everybody does it differently. Some it's like a bottle of Coke to soothe my throat and that's the life for me. And I've heard other versions, but that's probably one of my favorite ones because I can involve the kids to an extent. It's miserable. I'm not even gonna lie. Like it is humid and hot and you want to wear no clothing, but you can't because children and staff. Yeah, it's miserable i don't recommend love camp <laughs> don't get me wrong <laughs> and i'm not a, a i'm not a winter person like i grew up in new york yes but i was very much ready to move away from the three feet of snow that we were getting so like i like that we don't have snow but i don't like i didn't own a pair of shorts until i moved to alabama i love wow. my jeans.
1: <laughs> that's pretty incredible that's a feat right there okay <laughs> what is your favorite camp tradition
0: I think it's more of giving away a token to show the years you've been at camp. So I've done it at various different camps and every camp is different and every camp does it differently. But Frost Valley's got year patches that correlate to the camp that you attended with, you know, a number on it. And then you get a star after 10 years. And then at the camp I worked at in Idaho, we only did it for staff. Uh, we did pins like a silver ore for three years and a gold pin for five on staff. And then here we do bracelets. So we just do a simple like P-cord bracelet. We don't braid it or anything, just like a simple bracelet. But we have one for years one through five. And then we have a 10 and a 20 because you can start at age four here at day camp. And if you you know go through staff, you can easily hit 10 to 20 years. But just having some sort of token for kids and staff to take away with them because it keeps you coming back how I went back and worked at my home camp just for those two weeks. That was my 10th year there. Like I earned my star that those two weeks.
1: Um,
0: and so, yeah, but see, that's the thing is like, and I didn't even realize it till halfway through my time there, uh, which was even better, but you know, it's one of those things that, you know, for us, if you hit your 20, we put your name on a, on the picture frame that we, you know, we show all the, the bracelets for to show, you know, what you can get. So, you know, there, there's some ownership in that. And it's almost like you're taking a piece of camp. So that's probably my favorite camp tradition. And like I said, it's different everywhere. But I feel like the kids who get connected into camp, like those bracelets will mean something to them. I know my star patch means the world to me. Um, so yeah, I love that. Oh, thanks for sharing that for our listeners. I'd also
1: love to know what is your favorite program area?
0: Oh, that's hard. For a while it was archery, even though I'm, I'm terrible shooting. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite program area because I'm a weird kid, so I was super athletic in high school, but I also went to school for fine arts and that sort of thing, so I kind of was like the weird kid who liked both like the artsy creative side, but I also I played rugby my final year in high school, so I also was not afraid to, you know, get down and dirty, uh, so I really don't have a program area. I more like when a camper or staff Find a program that sparks something in them to try it outside of camp. I mean, it might be horseback riding. It might be building a fire. I've taught so many internationals how to build a fire who still build fires the way I taught them today. So just something, it, and it, it could be anything for them, but it sparks something that encourages kids to try it outside of camp and continue it, whether it be a hobby, a sport, an activity, just that light bulb that clicks i don't know if i have a favorite activity though myself
1: (laughs) which is why you became a camp professional exactly (laughs) i love that thank you for sharing i ask all my guests who should i interview next on the camp
0: kids podcast okay so there's two people you should probably talk to jason brown i don't even know what camp he's at now it's a day camp too but talk camp store with him he's phenomenal Um, so everything camp store I've learned from him. He did a presentation on camp store a few years ago for the scamp con virtual conference, which we don't longer do, but it was a phenomenal presentation. She talked to him. And then I have a friend of mine in a very, very unique situation. I've known him for years. Hi, Sean. If you keep this in and if you're listening, hi, Sean, I know you're going to listen to this. So I'm going to recommend Sean, um, Sean Leonardo. He is, very, very close friend of mine. Uh, we met our first year as camp counselors in 2010, working at, at Frost Valley. He then, and I'm sorry, Sean, I'm, I'm, you know, giving out all of our baggage, but oh, well. Uh, so he then followed me and transferred to my university. And then when I got it, he then worked in another Y camp for many years, did outdoor ed. He's huge with the teens. So teen programming And he's a phenomenal debriefer. So if you do like team building, whether it be adults, teens, kids, the debriefs he gives and how it relates to their age group or whatever they've got going on. I wish I could be as good as he is. He's amazing. Um, And then, so, so he did this for many years. He then followed me out to Idaho and worked for me in Idaho, along with his now wife, who was my aquatics director. Um, They met, they were dating before they came to work for me. They're now married. Uh, so, but he has been out of the camping industry for the last six years. Uh, he loves camp. He's like me, it's in his blood. Um, but he's been out of the the job for six years. He, this past summer got to do a session at a camp where he lives in Washington. His wife still works for the YMCA. So he got to go work at a, a one week camp and fell back in love with it. Not that he ever wasn't, but fell back in love with it. And now is kind of still working to figure out how he can get back into camping. But he's never let go of what he's learned at camp. So he'd be an interesting perspective, for sure. But yeah, really good friend of mine, really great perspective on things. Those two would probably be who I would recommend.
1: Is there anything exciting that's happening in your life, in your camp life, in the podcast life that you'd like to promote to our listeners?
0: definitely start listening to the podcast uh that's probably the biggest thing right now sean and i sat down not too long ago planned out most of the season this year there are some really interesting topics that we're going to bring up that we don't think are being talked about too much in the industry yet i know some include like cost of camp and how it's rising camper behavior i know that's been a big one kid and camper behavior from this past year Uh, And definitely some other things that will pop up. She and I are going to a few different conferences this year. So you'll get debriefs on conferences, uh, primarily ACA conferences. ACA Staffing Summit is coming up at the end of October. Registration is open for that. It is a wonderful conference. It's entirely virtual. We're doing it the 30th, the 31st. I hear there's going to be some fun things for Halloween and the 1st. Uh, Like I said, entirely virtual, and it's a bunch of camp professionals and people who are friends of the camping industry, and we're going to talk about all things staffing. So everything from Gen Z to recruitment, hiring, staff appreciation, go register. It's a phenomenal conference. I might be biased, but that's okay. Um, I'm on the staffing committee or the, the summit committee, but that's okay. I'm biased, but I still think you should go check it out.
1: Awesome. Thank you for sharing all of those resources for our listeners. If someone was interested in doing the virtual conference, but can't make a couple sessions due to other work commitments or anything, would they have access to recordings of it as well?
0: Yes. I believe the recordings are live for 30 days or something like that. But yeah, there are recordings because I go back and I watch them too. Uh, So I usually do. I mean, this year I'm working the conference, but I usually go back. I watch what I can. And then I usually spend my week after that going back and watching all the sessions that I couldn't. So (laughs) Awesome.
1: That's great for listeners to know. Thank you so much. Well, where can people find you if they want to contact you or follow you?
0: Probably the two best places. Instagram uh, is where I get a lot of stuff for work it's very personal but you also get to see my lovely animals they kind of overload my instagram but also email is really easy kelly.cook at pine ridge day Camp.org, uh is probably the next best after that and i'm always open for questions also really good book recommendations i'm a non-profit or a non-fiction reader i will please rec send me book recommendations
1: yes <laughs> i was gonna bring that up because i'm a huge non-fiction reader as well I like love audio books and paperback books and all that sort of good stuff. And I just love your book content.
0: Well. <laughs> yes. So. I, so yeah, I post all of my ones that I finish. I don't, I don't post the ones that I don't finish because the why, um, but I post all of my completed books on my stories. And then I, so you can go see what I've read in the last three years on my Instagram. So we can be book buddies or do book club. Wonderful. Nobody reads nonfiction. So I'm like over here in my own little world. That
1: is my preferred genre. Like I started a book club here in Kansas city because I was like, I have to get out of nonfiction just a little (laughs) bit. Like I have to, I have to broaden my horizons just a little bit. Like, So yeah, I think I read in like 2021, like 75 nonfiction. Books. Oh, I'm so jealous. I, Out think of, this- like, I read over a hundred and then like 25 of those were just, you know, fiction or whatever. Anyway, so I love that. We'll have to, we'll have to do a little book club or something. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so, so, so much for being on the Camp Kids podcast. I have deeply appreciated your time, your energy, all of the resources and wonderful ideas that you've brought for our listeners I can't thank you enough for doing this. Was there any final comments or thoughts that you wanted to leave? Uh,
0: if there's any new directors listening, and I, I recommend this all the time, make sure you take time for yourself during the season. I mean, off season too, but it's a lot harder during the in season and make sure you are setting your boundaries. Like for me, I work at day camp. I don't live on site, but I don't answer my work phone after six o'clock cause it all goes to my cell phone. Uh, so make sure you're setting healthy boundaries for yourself. Uh, if you're a new director, so you don't get burnt out. We need more of you coming up in the industry.
1: All right, Camp Kids, that was Kelly. Make sure to contact them if you have any questions and to check out all the links in the show notes. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let's keep our Camp Kids community growing by spreading it to others who are also a part of the camp community. Please leave us a rating or review, preferably a five-star rating so that others can also find our podcast. Next week, I'll have another episode for you, but that's all that I have for you for now. But remember that this is good night but not goodbye.